Hi, I'm Will, a bilingual English teacher and American expat living in Germany. And I'm Brenna, the editor of a literary magazine and a contrarian bookworm. Welcome to Scribes and Bibe, where we get tipsy and talk about etymology. We look up words with weird and shameful pasts or strange and contradictory meanings and then tell each other about them. The imbibing is primarily there to excuse the fact that I can't pronounce most morphemes to save my life. This week on Scribes and Bibe, we talk about the sketchy-ass nature of an amphibious lifestyle, hog Latin, super sober gemstones, and fantasy wolves. It's more coherent than it sounds. start a new I don't know if I want to call it like a segment on the show so much as something that I'm going to start like keeping an eye out for and bringing up as often as possible whenever I find it Mm -hmm. and that's just gonna be words that were created with a specific meaning and that meaning no longer applies because we're not in the 15th century or whatever anymore like the the first one I ever heard was lily livered which isn't really a, a word so much as like a term or a phrase meaning someone cowardly And it turned out that, you know, like back in the medieval period, they thought that the body was like run by humors that Uh. (laughs) changed the composition of everything. And so if you were a coward, your liver didn't get the right amount of like humors and blood to it. And so supposedly upon your death, your liver would be white instead of dark red, which is absurd because livers are just you know dark red yeah and so that was just this like hilarious belief that they had and the word the word stuck around like you could call someone lily livered and it would be archaic but people would know that you meant cowardly but obviously we don't believe that 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 your liver is lily white so on that note uh i want to talk about the word amethyst which is my birthstone it is a violet colored quartz the word itself comes from the late 13th century amatiste from the old french and it comes directly from latin and from latin from greek amethystos and this is just oh this is just so great it literally means not intoxicating or not drunken um from a not and methyskine meaning to make drunk from methys which means wine Cool. So here's where it gets fun. The stone, the amethyst stone, had a reputation for preventing drunkenness. And that is why it is called amethyst. So when people were getting fucking hammered, they would put on like jewelry, just like with like amethyst just fucking everywhere. Just like, this is going to protect me from myself. And no one knows why, except that maybe because, like, amethysts are kind of uh, wine-colored, that it might have been, like, sympathetic magic. Yeah, yeah. But that is where that word comes from, and the fact that we still use it is hilarious. Like, we are literally walking around being like, my birthstone is the not-drunken gem. (laughs) Yes, that was... I I, I wear it a lot to ward off the drunkenness. Yeah, it's necessary, too. I really hope that there was once upon a time some peddler of of shiny trinkets who was like, yeah, oh, this totally helps ward off drunkenness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. it called? Do you want it for an inflated price? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine are the best. They keep you the most sober. And if not, then you're lily-livered and you can't hold your anything. <laughs> yeah. oh, let's see. I'm going to it hey ooh yay ith way 
Um, say ig pay atinle. I'm gonna hit you with some pig Latin because wow, recently, I would never would have cracked that, that uh, it's, tremendous code. Uh, yeah. it's, I, I've forgotten about it completely, and it came up recently in a conversation with a friend about what was that crazy thing we used to speak when we were children? Oh yeah, it's pig Latin. It's, it has nothing to do with Latin, obviously, uh, and it's just a what? game. <laughs> yeah, and I like. I like that it's called Pig Latin, so the Latin has nothing to do with Latin, obviously, in Pig Latin, and the pig also has nothing to do with pigs. It's not like pigs do weird things when they communicate. Some people, the grammarist, declares that it was invented by American children in the 1800s, and it was originally called Hog Latin, because hog was Hell more Hell yeah, Hog Latin sounds way better. Right? Yeah. There was... A song released in 1919 called Pig Latin Love, I guess had to do with Pig Latin. But let me see if I can find... That sounds like the right time, because they were having a lot of fun with language around that time. Like, that was when you were getting the um, Cockney slang. Yeah. Well, that's funny that you had mentioned Cockney, because it seems like one of the earliest forms of dog Latin, which is what is the umbrella term for pig Latin, hog Latin, was also English. And the bard himself, in Love's Labor's Lost, but also in other works, obviously, poked fun at Latin, which at the time probably was still relatively in fashion for the well-to-do. Anyway, so once upon a time there was dog Latin, and in the early 1800s, American chillins, made up this game called Hog Latin, which we know as Pig Latin. And what I love about, like, children's networks, I guess, I mean, like, there's probably, like, a a less sort of ominous term, but, like, kids, they just sort of absorb these things. Like, I don't even think they always hear it from their parents. There's just, like, jokes and rhymes and, yeah, things like Pig Latin, which I haven't thought about in 20 years, that they just, they all know. And they just pass it down to each other somehow. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't know, it's a little creepy, but it's also very charming. Yeah. All right. Well, I am going to talk about, oh, yeah. I got on a kick with the prefix ambi. (laughs) And, oh, it was because uh, I saw the word ambidextrous. Mm -hmm. You you may be familiar. There was a, a bit of a headline faux pas a few years back where someone in the sports column wrote the headline, amphibious pitcher pitches two strikes you know like it was they meant ambidextrous they said amphibious and it was glorious so ambidextrous for those who don't know we usually mean is competent with both hands uh to a similar degree can use both hands i almost said fluently and i kind of like that so that's fine we're just gonna (laughs) stick with that fluent in both hands is uh is the technical term for ambidextrous (laughs) but what i love about it is dexterous actually means like a trained right hand it's why in like spanish you have like derecha for the most part right hand is positive in the english language in a lot of romance languages um and it's sort of the default because uh, majority of people are right-handed and so ambidextrous actually means right-handed on both sides which I think is really funny because it means that you can have two right hands and two left feet, and that is apparently normal as far as idioms go in the English language. Yeah, fitting. So that's, that's ambidextrous. And then amphibian, of course, means an animal that uh, can live uh, in the water and on the land. But the definition for it from the 1630s is having two modes of existence of doubtful nature or living a double life. 
Yeah. What? Yeah. So all those fucking frogs out there, man, they're like shifty ass motherfuckers. They're just like spying on your house and they're... And they like work an office job, but then they're also hitmen. I don't know, man. Amphibians. Man, that that Jake over there, he's pretty oh. amphibious. Never see him after 10 p.m. I don't know if sleeping counts <laughs> as uh, living a double. <laughs> it's a double. No, in uh, existing in two states, right? That is true. Right. Having two that? modes of existence. Yeah, you've got your, we're all amphibious. Are we all really? in a sense? <laughs> At least amphibious, if not more. Oh shit, you're right. Nice. Oh, what would the plurifibious? Oh, no. <laughs> Very fibious. E plurifibious. <laughs> no, okay, we can't. <laughs> Speaking of hog Latin, goddamn. Hey, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go back. Let's go back to England again. We're Do gonna it. go back to old English, but we're gonna use the present perfect progressive. I think. There we go. So I have been eating my foot and have I'm you still now doing so yeah since tuesday you know oh. just been oh shit nom 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 and away <laughs> anyways that was a silly tangent i wanted to go to england and way back to old english because once upon a time english was a really inflected language which means that it had prefixes and suffixes that changed for the word depending on the grammatical function so if you had an a noun such as shore like the seashore you could turn it into an adjective and say, oh, look, there's grandma. She's ashore. And that would say that she is located on the shore. Uh, and uh is one of the most common prefixes for doing that. And the same thing actually happened with verbs where you would turn something into a present participle using a. Uh. Uh, and present participle, it takes a verb and you can then use it as an adjective or as a noun. And... A really great one is, oh, the bells are a-ringing, or look, the fire is a-glow, a or we're going a-hunting. And you can do all sorts of fun things, and pretty much it's a very productive prefix. You could turn any verb you want into this a-present uh, participle, or attach it to a verb stem and turn it into an adjective. And since English is so great at taking nouns and turning them into verbs, you could turn any noun into, you know, a googling. Hold on, I must first go a googling before I can <laughs> tell you more about this this production process. That is, Not that's lovely. really interesting. That one of the ones, one of the words that I love a lot because there's like a lot of words from nautical terms that have stuck around only in specific phrases. And one of my favorites is taken aback. We don't have the word aback anywhere hmm. else in English, uh, like mm -hmm. in, or like standard English conversations. It's a nautical term meaning like to be like pushed backwards towards the, the stern of the ship. So you are taken mm -hmm. aback. And I never really thought about the fact that mm -hmm. like adding the uhs, it w must have been kind of a fashionable thing for a while there. And now it, it sounds a little archaic. Mm -hmm. Once upon a time, it was necessary to tell us the grammatical function of the word and for nouns as well, not just for verbs. And yeah, and now it's this leftover from a forgotten time. All right. Hit me with your next shot. Okay. I have a question for you, William. What do you think of when I say copter? A helicopter. Sure. And do you feel like people, maybe yourself included, I'm not watching you while you do your daily business. Um, that sounded like <laughs> pooping, but I didn't mean that. 
<laughs> have you seen examples of people like just sort of adding prefixes to copter? I, for once, in, in Steven Universe, have seen them make a little movie within a movie called Dog Copter. For sure. It's the same. It's oh. awesome. I like, I like how that works. Well, it turns out it doesn't work. And it's, it's wrong, oh. and everyone should stop Ooh. doing it. Because the Ooh. two parts of the word helicopter are not heli and copter. They're helikos, which is Greek, like the same that we have like for helix. The double helix uh, is helikos, and it means spiral. Like, you know, a helicopter has a, a spiral, and then, you know, so does DNA. You know, we're all part of the same. Anyway, uh, and then pteron, P-T-E-R-O-N, means wing, and it's where we get, like, for instance, a pterodactyl. So the, cool. two, the two parts of the word are helicos and ter. I guess you don't pronounce the P. So it would have to be, like, dog ter instead of dog copter, which I recognize doesn't work as well, but, you know, we're trying to be faithful to language here. So, like, that's the new rule. Nobody's allowed to use copter. <laughs> Roger that. And we <laughs> should be saying helicopter. Right. Or do we pronounce the P in front no, of the No, I, I guess we wouldn't yet. Heli- helicopter, right? Helicopter. Helicopter. I'm going to go fly my helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> this is why language oh, evolves. This is exactly why. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. I really liked those constructions with copter as the suffix. Yeah. Well, no. the good news is, is that we're allowed to do whatever we want because language is a nebulous, fluctuating thing. <laughs> Yay, nebulous. <laughs> it's a fluctuating. Yes. Oh, how many else do you have? How many more have, do you have? I have one I have one more else left. All right. Well, I've got one more and then our closer, so I'll go. It's very short. Uh, okay. The word is claptrap. You might recognize it as being sort of negative, almost pejorative slang for one's mouth, as in shut your claptrap <laughs> Stop talking. (laughs) But it comes from 1730, and it was a trick to, quote-unquote, catch applause. Uh, It comes from theater. It's a stage term. So you would do something to uh, elicit a positive response from an audience, as in clapping, to trap their claps. You are literally trapping them claps. And then mm-hmm. it sort of, as you know, performance went on with all of its showiness, uh, it took on the sense of like sort of cheap, language the sort of like mm-hmm. stage patter you would get from around 1819 and then moved into like nonsense or rubbish um so for a while claptrap was like the crap that you said like the just like no one's listening to your claptrap but then even later than that it became you're like literally your mouth hole from which this nonsense is spewing <laughs> so. that is really fun yeah so i didn't know that this word existed Except for there's a video game that I've played called Borderlands 2. Oh, yeah. And there is a character who is sort of your little, here, let me introduce you into the world and help you get oriented and try and grab some laughs and also be sesquipedalian. He's literally a claptrap. That is, that's a clever little joke. Cool. All right, let's let's hang out with J.R.R. Tolkien for my word before we get to your last word. So in English, we've got the word wolf. And J.R.R. Tolkien had these super badass, crazy orc steeds called wargs. And in Swedish, the word for wolf is varje, which is spelled V-A-R-G. And in Germanic languages, apart from Swedish and and Norwegian and whatnot, W is now what V once was. So you could imagine the word is actually spelled W-A-R-G, which is exactly the way that J.R.O. Tolkien spelled the wargs. And just another fun fact, wolves have been around for a really long time. Like, 
800 something thousand years for some standard european species wow we should celebrate their birthdays pretty soon (laughs) yes good job wolves you're still (laughs) around right and the fun thing is that in english it's actually closer to german because once upon a time there was proto-germanic which then obviously fanned out into various other languages and inflected itself upon or inflicted itself upon old english so wolf or wolf w-u-l-f was the old english which came probably and once you get back to proto-german there was a lot of probably involved wulfaz w-u-l-f-a-z obviously spelled differently back then because they didn't have the same alphabet that we do but yeah so uh, norse mythology has a creature called the vargir um and fenrir was a vargir wait what oh whoa fenrir for those who don't know is thought to be loki's son because he got it on with a giant and they had three children one of them is fenrir a giant (laughs) crazy strong wolf vargur and the word for that in english is warg and apparently tolkien derived it from the old english word warg which is related to old high german varg old norse vargur and all of these are the predecessors of the swedish varir and of the norse mythological term vargur now that's really fun so as you know, Game of Thrones. I don't even. I'm not even mm. going to finish that sentence. As you know, Game of Thrones. So Bran is a warg. Wait, hold up, hold up. I've only read the five books. No, 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 no. You already know this. Bran is a warg. Yes. But in in the series, I'm not. I'm not saying anything else except that in the series, warg just means someone who can like enter into uh, into yeah. like animals and control them and like see through their eyes and things like that but i love the idea that it's specifically tied sort of etymologically to wolves because bran is a stark and the dire wolves are like the city yeah. of the stark family i think that's cool well done mr martin here is the answer apparently although i don't know if i trust this source uh since it's from wikipedia uh but J.R.R. tolkien learned latin french and german from his mother and at school he learned middle english old english finnish gothic greek italian old norse spanish welsh and medieval welsh he was also familiar with danish dutch lombardic norwegian russian serbian swedish and older forms of modern germanic and slavonic languages holy shit yeah i don't even know that's that's a lot of language yeah no. So I, I'm learning Swedish right now, yep. but I'm taking it and the course material is presented in German. So I feel like sometimes I'm mostly using my German structures to process what I'm learning. I would love to have known from Tolkien which languages he used to learn which languages. Because it changes how you access them. My English grammar would have been better to learn Swedish because English grammar and Swedish grammar is closer than German and Swedish grammar. But a lot of the words, the vocabulary, there are more German terms that I recognize in Swedish. All right, well, I'm going to close this out today with the word artesian. Gosh, this is just such a silly word. Uh, It's from 1830, and it's usually coupled with the word well, an artesian well. Um, and it comes from the French, and it means pertaining to Artois, which is the French province where such wells were first bored. So if your well is not 
from Artois. It's not an artesian well. It's actually a sparkling well from northern France. So, <laughs> <laughs> This has been Scribes Imbibe, and we'll talk to you in the future.